Colossians 2, 16 through 23. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival of new moon celebration or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs, puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Golden, I'm going to have you control the slides. I don't have my control. Great. Good morning. Thank you, Alyssa. That was lovely. So fun. Go out, go check out the living room on, the, on your way out um, and walk through it and uh, keep doing that. I think it'll, it'll keep yielding fruit as you do it again and again, uh, but we're really excited about that. Um, super excited about this series in Colossians. I'm really enjoying it. I hope that this has been meaningful to you and um, it's connecting you closer to Jesus, which is the goal. Uh, really, the theme, and I'll get, why don't you show us this first slide. I showed you this image uh, last week. Uh, Colossians is all about fullness in Christ. Paul is trying to remind the Colossians in us that everything we need, we have in Jesus Christ. And last week, we talked about the heart of the gospel, which is that we are in Christ, that we have been, by faith, if you put your faith in Jesus, we've been united to the person of Jesus Christ. And so our identity, our destiny, our story is all wrapped up in him. And because of that, we have such rich fullness. Even in the midst of hard lives, we, we have the fullness of, of new life in us. We have this new freedom that comes from forgiveness in Jesus. We have a new authority that comes from being adopted into God's family through Jesus. And we have everything we need in Jesus. And that's what Paul is trying to remind the Colossians. Is everything you need spiritually, you have in Jesus. There's fullness in him. And today I want to talk about the fact that the reason he's doing that is because there was a threat to that message in Colossae in the first century. We don't know all the details, but we think some other teachers had come into the city and said, Jesus is great as far as he goes, okay? But if you really want to activate fullness in your life, if you really want to unleash fullness in your life, there's other things that you need to tap into apart from Jesus, uh, and they're gonna, we're going to talk about, there's, there's these other spiritual practices that you need, religious observances, uh, these, these interesting experiences that you need to have, okay? Jesus is great, but if you really want to experience true fullness, you got to have these things too. And the Colossians, I think, are starting to kind of wonder, maybe, maybe this is true. 
And they're seeing these other people come in that look kind of impressive and their spirituality looks really impressive and they're thinking, they're starting to feel insecure and thinking maybe, maybe we are missing out on something. Maybe, maybe there's something more than Jesus that, that could really unlock fullness in our lives. And I just want to suggest that is a huge temptation for the church of every age, right? And it's a temptation for each one of us to think, man, you look at our, our spiritual lives sometimes like, is this all there is? <laughs> like I look at my life and I'm thinking, surely there's, there's something out there apart from Jesus that, that if I could tap into would, would bring me to a deeper place of fulfillment uh, or meaning or a, a higher level of spirituality. And so I want you to think about today, like what, are, what is that for you? What's that thing that you're like, Jesus is great. I'm going to quote Bono here. Um, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> right? Sorry about that. Um, right? Like, I, I know that Jesus is good, but surely there's something, if I, could, if I could get inside of that, if I could practice that a certain way, if I could experience that, there's, there's, there's greater fullness maybe around the corner in my life somewhere. And I'll just tell you, for me, historically, that has always been like, there's a book out there that I haven't found yet. Okay? Maybe it hasn't been written yet. But if I could find that book and I could read that book, and probably not even the book, but there's probably like a line or a chapter in that book that's going to unlock a perspective for me that I haven't experienced yet. And it's going to take my faith in this whole nother level of fullness. So I think we all have our, our, our temptations towards that. And in the Colossians, we're starting to think maybe Jesus isn't enough. He himself. And so Paul is writing to protect them from that way of thinking. Verse 16, he says, don't let anyone judge you. They're feeling less than. They're kind of feeling judged by these superior folks. Like, don't feel judged by these people. Okay? Verse uh, 18, don't let anyone, um, what does he say, disqualify you. Don't let them look at your faith and go, oh, your, your faith isn't, isn't legit. He said, no, you have Jesus this is all you need. I want to take you back to last week's passage, uh, Golden, if you put the slide on. This, this is back in verse 8. You can look at it in your Bibles. Um, here's what Paul says in verse 8. I skipped right over the first half of this, this verse uh, last week. Uh, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and you've been given fullness in Christ. So just keep that up for a second. Okay, these other people are coming in, and they're, they're peddling a certain form of spirituality, but he says, it depends on human tradition. Okay, what they're bringing, it's just, it's created by human beings. It might look spiritual, but it's, it's not. It's a, it's a human attempt. Uh, it depends on, look at that, that phrase right in the the elemental spiritual forces of this word, okay, a world. Uh, PhDs have been written on what the heck that phrase means, okay? There's a single Greek word, the stokia of this world, and Depending on your translation, it gets translated a bunch of different ways, okay? No one fully knows how to translate it. But the important thing about it is actually, I think the end of it, it's of this world. These are principles or spiritual beings or something that belongs to this world. This is not coming from God himself and his kingdom. These are human attempts to generate some kind of spiritual fullness, okay? So whatever they are, this is not of God, and it can't even possibly compare to Christ himself, 
Think about in Christ, the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. Mark just prayed about that. that we, we see God's glory in Jesus Christ. What could possibly give more fullness than the one in whom all the fullness of God dwells? Jesus himself brings fullness. All of these other things, these books, these, we'll talk about other things, okay? Whatever it is, they might be decent and good, but in the end, compared to Jesus, look at that second line, they are hollow and deceptive, okay? Think about that word hollow. They, 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 there's, a, there's a veneer that's really impressive. There's an outside that says, maybe, maybe this, is, this is where it's at, but they can't deliver. Inside, it, it, it's not going to bring about fullness. It's, it's deceptive. It can't even compare to Jesus himself and what he can bring in our lives and what he has already brought in our lives. All right, thanks, Golden. So what I want to do this morning is I want to just look fairly briefly at, at what this looked like in the first century, and then I want to invite us into um, just a simplicity in our faith with Jesus today, okay? So let's just kind of, I'm going to try to give it, get a sense inside of what was going on back then. Again, some of this might feel relevant today, some of it may not, but let's look at what was happening and, um, and then we'll, we'll look at how do we respond to this today. All right, so um, I, I see kind of three forms that this, this higher fullness, spirituality, religious thing that was going on um, back then uh, happened. Most people think it was some kind of combination of like ancient Jewish practices plus some like Greek Gnostic philosophies that all came together in this interesting uh, syncretistic kind of thing that was going on in Colossians. We don't totally know, but let's just look at what Paul actually says, all right? So three ways I see this playing out in this passage. First way, uh, you see these people calling them back to these old Jewish observances, okay? Ancient Jewish traditions. So look at verse 16. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day, Okay? So that feels very Jewish, right? These are all the old Jewish laws, Jewish, ancient Jewish observances, and that's under, understandable. Christianity came out of Judaism, right? So it's understandable they might be tempted to go back to some of those things. But the idea here is the person of Jesus is not enough. Trusting Jesus, walking with Jesus, enjoying Jesus, surrendering your life to Jesus, that's not enough. You need to tap into these ancient Jewish observances and traditions if you want to experience fullness in life. And I think that's always actually a, an interesting conversation for the church, that sometimes the church rediscovers ancient practices. They could be Jewish, they could be otherwise, early church practices, and there's this temptation to think, man, we need to, we need to get back in the flow of these ancient practices. And if only we do that, then the church will start to experience true fullness, deep spiritual fullness in life. And maybe you think that sometimes. And I just want a, a little disclaimer. I imagine Paul observed some of the feasts of Israel still. So I think he still went about those things oftentimes. I personally think that there are a lot of ancient practices that would be very beneficial for the church today. I think the church in America is so darn contemporary, we've lost any sense of tradition and history, and we're just living in the now, and we've, we've kind of cut ourselves some, from some beautifully historic things. So let me just say that. But Paul's point here is that's not where fullness is found. Fullness is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Look at verse 17. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. 
The reality, however, is found in Christ. Right? These, it's, a, it's an interesting image. All, all the Jewish feasts and all these things, even some of them very godly things that God built into the structures of Israel's life, those are just shadows. Those are just foretastes of the reality which was God's own son showing up. And now that we have the reality, that's where fullness is found, not in the shadow. And again, I say that as a person who loves some of the traditions. He mentioned Sabbath. Many of you know I'm a huge fan of the Sabbath. I think the church could really benefit by practicing a weekly Sabbath. But in the end, true rest is not found in a day, okay? True rest is found in a person, Jesus Christ. And I, again, Sabbath has been a very practically helpful way for me personally and my family to rest, but it does not hold a candle to the rest that I have found in Jesus Christ. Like the true rest that comes from realizing my sins and the burden of my sins has been taken off my back by Jesus through forgiveness and Jesus, that my identity is in him and not in my ability to perform or impress people. Like to begin to, to really root myself in Jesus, that kind of rest is far superior, I promise you, to a day of taking off. Okay? The reality is in Jesus. And so Paul's like, go to Jesus. <laughs> okay? So that's one way it's playing out. How are we doing so far? Okay, we here? Okay, I started talking about rest. I want to make sure you don't just start resting too much here. So let's make sure you're still with me here. Okay. Um, let's look at the second way this plays out. Look at verse 18. Uh, this is, there's some spiritual experiences that these people are saying. You've got to have these kind of experiences. Verse 18, don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen, and they are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. Okay? So hard to know what's going on, but there seems to be some kind of angel worship, spirituality thing going on. And uh, this message is, is, if you want to experience truthfulness, there's these really cool spiritual experiences you, you have to have. You have to experience your spirituality in a certain way. There's these ecstatic, um, deep, uh, mysterious, powerful visions or religious experiences that, that would authenticate a true spirituality or that would, that would activate a, a deeper fullness in your spirituality. And what I love about this is um, Paul, I think playfully, look at the end of verse 18. He says, idle notions by their unspiritual mind. And he says, that's, I think that's sort of ironic. He's like, that what they're doing looks really spiritual, right? They're having these spiritual experiences, but it's actually unspiritual in that it's actually not prompted by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> These are not spirit-led, spirit-directed. These are actually man-made things that they're doing that look really spiritual um, but aren't. Look at verse 19. They have lost connection with the head. Now what or who is the head? Jesus, right? They're doing something spiritual. It looks really spiritual, but it's actually unspiritual. And in fact, they've lost connection with the head. This is these, whatever these experiences are, they're not connecting them deeper to Jesus. They're actually taking them away from that deep connection to Jesus himself. 
And again, I think this one's actually pretty easy to relate to. I think throughout the history of the church, we have moments where there are people who come along and say, if you really want to, you know, activate fullness, there's these experiences that you need to have. Jesus himself, faith in Jesus himself is not enough. You, you, need, to, you need to get inside of these, these, these really powerful, emotional, or whatever, spiritual visions and experiences, and that's what will bring fullness. And I'm sure some of us have been around some of those kinds of messages, and it kind of can leave you feeling insecure, like I think the Colossians were feeling, like, am I missing, am I, is my faith legit? Because this isn't happening to me, so what do I, what do, I do with this? Um, but I would guess some of us who have seen some of that, at least, when you watch it long enough, you go, gosh, this actually doesn't feel rooted in Jesus. Like, it feels like there's something that's lost connection with the head. Like, as I just watched this over time, initially it looked amazing, but then as I watched this person's life, it doesn't feel like they're getting more and more of Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not like seeing the fruit of the Spirit, things like humility and love peace. Like, that's not what I'm seeing growing. So something's happening that looks cool, but I'm actually not seeing more and more of Jesus in this person's life, right? I mean, I, I can remember hearing someone say, yeah, I'm going this Friday. I'm going to like a revival meeting at, at, at 7 p.m. You know, I remember thinking like, I didn't know you could schedule revival, like, right? Like, <laughs> how, does that, how does that work, right? Like, we, I don't understand how that works. I don't think that's how that works exactly. And Paul's warning here is, gosh, there's things that can look really impressive, but the, the only thing that matters is, is this connecting you more and, and more deeply with Jesus or not? And if it is, great. And if it's not, then we ought to think about it. Again, I have like a disclaimer for all three of these things. My disclaimer is Paul had remarkable spiritual experiences. I mean, this guy had visions. He was caught up in the third heaven. He had things that were amazing. If I could wave my magic wand, I would have our church experience a lot more of these kinds of experiences. We pray that the Spirit would continue to do fresh work in this church, in our gatherings on Sundays, in our quiet times, in our times with the Lord, that, that we'd have profound moments of experiencing the presence of Jesus through His Spirit. Like, we want that. <laughs> That's really good. But fullness is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone, not in an experience not an emotional kick or, or some esoteric thing that we're pursuing. It's Jesus. He has the fullness of God within him. All right, so we've got these, these ancient practices. We've got these spiritual experiences. And then turn your page in your Bibles to uh, verse 20. Um, the last one you see is um, kind of these um, this religious disciplines. Okay, let me read to you verse 20 through the rest of the, uh, the uh, passage again. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, that's that word that no one knows how to translate, um, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, these are the rules, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teaching. Sounds very similar to what he said earlier. Such regulations indeed have an appearance, right, they're hollow, of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Okay, lots going on there. But here's these rules. Do not handle, do not touch, right? He talks about rules and regulations, and he talks about 
harsh treatment of the body. So what he's talking about, I think, is a, a program of religious disciplines by which we withhold certain foods or pleasures or comforts. And the thought is, through strict personal discipline, okay, I can achieve a higher level of spirituality. Through discipline, I can shape myself into the spiritual giant that I long to be and that I'm not, okay? Maybe that, through discipline, I can, I can arrive at fullness. This is the temptation every one of us feels at the beginning of a new year, when we hit New Year's, right? Through strict personal discipline, I can, I can become a better version of me. And again, disclaimer, Paul was a very spiritually disciplined person. More than any of us in this room, I promise you, okay? He talks about, in, in one part, he says, I beat my body and make it my slave. He says, I don't let my appetites control me. I have put my appetites in submission so that I lead out, not my appetites, okay? And I'll just tell you, my, as I look at the American church today, I think we need a lot more discipline, not a lot less discipline, Okay, the time of Phariseeism is kind of past in a lot of ways. Okay, that's not the problem, at least of the church in Orange County. The problem is worldliness. We're so indoctrinated and caught up in the things of the world, and we've grown very weak in our spiritual disciplines. This is just my take. Okay? Um, so I say that um, as a disclaimer. I think we need greater <laughs> discipline. We're so governed by our appetites these days. We're so led by our, just our immediate desires. So we could use some discipline, all that to say. But today, my point is this. <laughs> That's not where fullness is found. <laughs> it's not found in my ability to be disciplined spiritually. Fullness is found in Jesus Christ. Paul says something in verse 23 that I feel like needs a whole sermon. I'll give you 30 seconds on it. Um, but he says, you know, these regulations, they have an appearance of wisdom, right? You look at really disciplined people spiritually. It has an appearance of wisdom, false humility, harsh treatment of the body. But there's this last phrase that really hit me this week. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Now, that's, I don't love that translation. That is, they lack value in restraining the indulgence of the flesh. Okay, that's the more literal translation. Or your translation might say the indulgence of the sinful nature. And we talked about the flesh last week. It's that thing that Christ has to cut out of us, right? And I gave you that lovely circumcision image last week, okay? Right? The flesh is um, that whole part of us that wants independence, that wants control, that is that egocentric part of us. And Paul's saying that deep thing inside of us, personal discipline does nothing to actually utterly change and control that, okay? Let me show you an image. Go show, show, let me show you this image um, of an iceberg, okay? And I want you to imagine the, the, the above, this is you. You're the iceberg. Um, I don't know if that's a flattering uh, idea or not, but you're the iceberg. Um, and what you see above is, is your, your behavior, okay? Your, what, what people can see, right? Your behavior, your habits. And underneath, you have that, that core of you, and that's where the flesh lies, that ego, self-centered, self-protective, self-glorifying part of you. And Paul's saying the disciplines in and of themselves do nothing to, to get it. All they can do is shape habits and behavior, but they cannot fundamentally transform the hearts. And the greatest example that we have of this is the example of the first century Pharisees. Right? These were men who were very 
disciplined religiously and spiritually. They engaged in all sorts of do not handle, do not touch, do not taste. They beat their bodies. They did all these things. And on the outside, on the surface, they looked remarkably spiritual, okay? Very impressive, respectable. But underneath, their flesh was on fire. There's none of those disciplines did anything to quench the flesh. They were full of pride. They were full of greed. They were lovers of approval. They were lovers of money. And they were very self-righteous. And they actually didn't look much like God at all. And so they're this, this cautionary tale that reminds us that the discipline in and of itself doesn't destroy the flesh. In, in fact, it can actually fan into flame the flesh because we start to look better. And so we start to feel better about ourselves. And so we can embark on a, on a life of rigorous discipline and have hearts that are actually very far from the heart of Jesus. And that's exactly what we see in the first century Pharisees. Um, he says, they lack value in restraining the flesh. The real, here's the reality about the flesh. The flesh doesn't need to be restrained. Okay? The flesh needs to be killed. <laughs> the flesh needs to die. The flesh actually needs to be handed over to somebody else who can kill it. And that's what we talked about last week. That this is, we, we've died, and he even says in this passage, verse 20, you've died with Christ. When you come to Jesus, you hand over the whole thing, and you say, this thing that I can't fix, I'm going to hand it over to you. You have to crucify this, Jesus. You have to kill this, because I can't change myself. Most of you have read the Chronicles of Narnia series. You know, I couldn't help but thinking of the voyage of the Dawn Treader and the story of Eustace, um, who's this boy who's a really naughty boy, who's a bad boy, a lot of flesh in him, and he ends up becoming a dragon, uh, which was a perfect, like, embodiment of who he was as a person. Uh, and then, of course, he encounters Aslan, who is the, the lion, the Christ figure, and, um, and he says, I so badly want to get, you know, this dragon skin off of me, and, and uh, so he starts trying to tear at his own skin, right? He tears off a layer of skin, and there's another one, and he tears more, but every time there's just more and more layers, and then finally Aslan says, you have to let me do it. And so he, he submits to it. And, of course, this lion has these massive claws, and he, he just tears in a tear that is so much deeper than what Eustace could do in of himself. And it hurts, and it's painful, but he, he tears off this dragon skin, and there's a boy underneath, and he throws him in this pool, of, and he washes him clean and forgives him. And it's this beautiful picture of dying, of letting Christ do what only he can do. And that's Paul's point, I think, in this verse is personal discipline cannot kill the flesh. Only Jesus can. Okay, so that's first century uh, temptations in Colossae that have nothing to do with the world today. Um, no, but as you, as you hear that, uh, there's, uh, I'd love to just end on two notes. And, and the first is I, I would love to just call us to a simplicity today. Okay? This, this book with all falls about fullness in Christ. And I'd love to just call you, wherever your soul needs to hear the simple message of Jesus alone. Just look to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus. Enjoy Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Jesus himself is all you need. Golden, if you give me this slide. I love, this is my favorite verses in Scripture. Uh, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray 
from your pure and simple devotion to Christ. And it's that phrase at the end, a pure and simple devotion. And so in a world of complexity, which is the world we live in today, where might Jesus today be calling you back to just a pure and simple devotion to him? And I think, you know, one of the challenges today is, um, again, it's such a complex world, and, and we have the problem of having so many wonderful resources available to us. I mean, of course, you've got all the worldly distractions, but even Christian resources. Like, you remember when podcasts didn't exist? Remember, like, just a little over a decade ago, there wasn't such a thing as a podcast. And now we have, you know, all these podcasts. Uh, we have all these influencers. We have all these blogs. We have all these books. We have all these conferences. We have all these practices, all these things that we can engage in. And a lot of them are really good. Some of them are not so great. You know, they're, I call them more Christ-adjacent sort of ministries. You know, not exactly focused on Jesus. But there's so much out there. And, and there's a podcast on parenting. There's a podcast on politics. There's a podcast on the culture. There's a podcast on marriage. There's right, everything you could want. There's just this wealth of resource. And, and that's a good thing, but that can get really complicated. And the temptation can be like, I, I feel like I've got to, I got to just stay up on all this stuff, right? Like I got to be going after all these things. And my friend sent me this one and my other friend sent me this one. Okay. I got to keep up with all these things. And, but, but maybe fullness is right around the corner. Maybe if I could find the right one or listen to the thing that, or read the thing or go to the thing it's, it's out there somewhere. And that can just get overly complicated. And you can step back and go, wow, I'm like, I'm spending more hours reading about prayer than I'm actually praying to Jesus, right? Like I'm, I'm reading books about the Bible. I haven't read the Bible in a month, right? But that feeling of like, am I missing out? And, and it's up to me to find the thing or to do the thing um, that's going to lead to fullness. And I just want to invite you into a simple reminder that in Jesus Christ, you have all that you need. Fullness is not found in a program or a discipline or an experience or a practice. Fullness is found in a person. A, the person of Jesus in looking to him, in trusting him, in walking with him, of experiencing his spirit doing the work that only he can do in your life, of surrendering each day and each moment to him. And so that's my invitation today. Where does, where's your soul just tired, just overwhelmed by all the options? Some good, some not so good. And where's there a fresh call? Jesus like, this is, this is all we need. In me, you have everything that you need. Fullness is there. Just keep coming to Jesus. And uh, with that, I want to I end by having us actually consider our religious practices, okay? Most of us, there's ways that we are engaging our faith. And the question I want you to ask is, I want you to just think about what are the things that I'm doing in my life right now that are kind of ways I engage my faith? You might read the Bible. You come to church. You might be in a small group, right? You might have a quiet time. You might practice Sabbath. You might... You might study, you know, all these different ways. But here's the question that I'd, I'd love us to be asking ourselves this week as we do that. Is engaging in this thing connecting me closer to Jesus or not? Just that, that's, the, that's the simple litmus test for what I'm doing right now. Is this 
connecting me closer to Jesus. By doing this, am I enjoying Jesus more? Am I coming to trust him more? Am I coming to surrender more of myself to him? Am I coming to learn more about him, he himself, and not something else? Is this connecting me closer to Jesus or not? And let me just give you two simple examples, okay? Let's, let's just talk about reading Scripture and coming to church, okay? Two things that most Christians do from time to time, I think, okay? So let's just think about when you go to this book, is this connecting you closer to Jesus or not? And the way I, I've always talked about this is, do you see the Bible as a wall or do you see it as a window, <laughs> okay? And the idea, is this the wall that this book is an end in and of itself? I go to this book maybe to check a box uh, because that's what Christians do or to fulfill, I have this off sense of obligation that I need to do this every day, so I, I do that. Um, or I go to, I like the ideas of this book, or I, I'm looking for the practical nugget that I can take from this book that's going to encourage me on my, on my walk today. Those aren't bad reasons. Um, but is this a wall? Or primarily what, what I, I see this, this is a window through which I engage with my Lord. Okay, this is a window through which I learn about Jesus, and I come to trust in the promises of Jesus, and I come to obey the teachings of Jesus. So I read this relationally. I'm not sitting, it's not me in a book. It's me and Jesus, and we're interacting through this book. This is a window that I, I walk away from time in this word having encountered Jesus in some fresh way through his word, okay? Um, one more verse. Again, the Pharisees, right? You diligently study the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me, and yet you refuse to, to come to me to have life, right? Life is not found in a book. It's scary for me to say that. I love this book. I've dedicated my life to the teaching of this book. Life is not found in this book. Life is found in God and his son, right? And there are people who have spent their whole lives reading this book, and they're increasingly cranky and self-righteous and judgmental and unloving and ungracious. Okay, what's going on there? They're not encountering Jesus through his word. Something else is happening, but that's not happening, right? So is this connecting me to my Lord or not? And then let me end, end with this gathering here, Sunday attendance, coming to church. What are we doing here? <laughs> Why do you come here? Again, is it a sense of obligation? Well, this, is, this is what Christians do. Uh, or this is a nice place to bring my kids. Um, or this is an opportunity to meet new friends. Okay, no, Those are not bad reasons. Or... <laughs> Is this a place where I encounter my Lord Jesus? Okay, let me, look at, let, me, let me read to you verse 19. This will be the last verse in this passage I read. They have lost connection with the head, that's Jesus, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Okay, here's what's going on here. Jesus Christ is the head of this gathering. And we are connected to him. We are his body. And as he ministers to us through our gatherings, that happens through one another, right? We minister one another. We're receiving his truth. We're receiving his promises. Sometimes we're receiving his rebuke, 
his encouragement, his spirit, but he is present with us as the head of this gathering, ministering to the very people he considers his own body. And so what would it look like to come every week after week going, I'm here to encounter Jesus today. That's why I came. And I'm going to encounter him as I sing these songs. I don't just sing songs. I'm praising Jesus. I don't just listen to a sermon. I'm listening through the broken, imperfect words of a human being going, Jesus, what do you have for me in in the words that he's saying? And especially, I get to be with Christ's own body. I get to interact with my friends who are Jesus to me, right? The body of Christ, the utterly surprising disguise of Jesus is is the, the broken, messy, dysfunctional people you have before you today. But I get to be with the body of Christ. This is why I come. So that's the invitation in in a very complex world. This isn't easy, but it's simple, (laughs) right? Jesus, go after the person of Jesus. That's where fullness is found. That's the only place where eternal life and fullness can be found. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today we pray to you and, and ask that you would, you would bring us into this pure and simple devotion to you. I think of, of Mary who just sat at your feet, taking in your teaching while Martha was so busy doing really good things, uh, but distracted by all the preparations. And would you bring us to that place uh, in the midst of busy lives, and we have all these responsibilities, but that there would be a simplicity of heart, a simplicity of devotion, a simplicity of of uh, what drives us, which is just you yourself, Lord. And I pray even now, as we celebrate communion, that this would be a time to experience you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.